What up, HyperChange? Welcome to HyperChat number 10. I'm here with Emmanuel Strashnov, the CEO and co-CEO co and founder of Bubble, which is a really interesting startup that is basically allowing you to build software and apps with no coding, essentially accelerating this whole thesis of software eating the world and basically the digitization of everything. So really excited to uh, have you on the podcast and learn a little bit more about what you're doing. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Definitely. So maybe you could start out by telling us, you know, wh what is Bubble? Well, Bubble is pretty much what you just said. You know, it's a new way to build uh, software. So the platform we chose in the beginning is web applications. So, you know, websites like, you know, Airbnb.com, even Facebook.com. So, you know, websites that actually do something mm -hmm. with like database functionality behind it most of the time. And so the way it works is people can just build it visually. So there is a learning curve. I mean, we're not one of these builders that would tell you get something uh, up and running in five minutes. I mean, that's not going to be the case but you could learn it in probably five to 10 hours. And then over the time of a week or two weeks, you can actually build like a sophisticated platform. So like a marketplace type of thing. Uh, and so the product is two things. This is the editor that you use to build it. And then it's a cloud platform that runs it. Because if you tell people they can build things without code, it's not to tell them, well, now, you know, take the code and go to AWS to run your thing. <laughs> like we run that automatically for you. Really cool. And so you could compare this, something that I've used a lot is like Wix or Squarespace. So it's, how would you compare it to that? Well, so Wix and Squarespace are one of these services that would tell you you're up and running in five minutes. So mm -hmm. we're much more of a programming tool than a website builder. Uh, it's a little bit tricky to explain because uh, at the end of the day, what you generate on Bubble is a website, but you know, Airbnb.com is a website. Mm -hmm. Try to build that on Wix and you'll be out of luck pretty quickly. You can't, yeah. effectively. So um, we're much more open-ended. You know, everything is to the pixel and then the way it works is you say, when the user clicks on this button, do this, do this, do that. So you're actually, in terms of spirit, much closer to code than you are to something like Wix. The thing that makes us similar to Wix is that it's a visual interface to build it. Fascinating. And how did you get the idea that this was even possible? Because this, to me, seems like such an ambitious step forward in the way that we program things in general. How, you know, was there so, a certain MVP or? So this is ambitious. It's not a new idea, to be honest. Like people have had that idea. I mean, I, I could almost say this is a holy grail of technology, you know, but the idea behind, you know, Windows versus MS-DOS, you know, MS-DOS was code, right? The command line, then Windows came and it was like visual uh, with icons and you would use your mouse. So the idea is not necessarily new. People have tried to do that in the past, you know, with HyperCard, with Apple in the eighties, Visual Basic to some extent, even though you still had basic access, you know, access was actually powering the whole business world in the 90s with limited code. Um, so you had all the tools. Just happened that over the last 15 years, I think this idea has been forgotten a little bit, probably because businesses uh, like tech companies have found that this was not necessarily worth uh, pursuing because it's a lot of work. And uh, I think they're doing just fine without doing this. Um, the reason why we started doing this again is uh, it's actually not my idea, it's my business partner's idea. I joined him like three or four months in um, and he started that because he was just, you know, hanging out in New York and everybody was asking him to be tech co-founder. He was technical <laughs> himself. Hey, and I got an app idea. Can you code it? Right, exactly. <laughs> and, and he felt at some point that it, it was kind of a tragedy, like for the world that not enough tech people could build things, not necessarily because you don't have enough startups, uh, but more because there are very important projects that may not be sustainable enough for people who don't have you know, access to either capital or don't have engineering friends to build them. And that leads to an issue where in the world, you have a ton of people that could be making a great impact through software and just don't, are not allowed to. And so that's how we came back to that idea. So we started really with this focus on you know, helping startups get off the ground without engineers, so without capital and without needing to find engineer. But the long-term vision is really like software should be, able, should be created by anyone. 
Wow. And ju just to put it in context, like how much would you say, you know, the typical app back in the day when your co-founder was, tr you know, giving people quotes on how much to build their app, you know, it would probably cost hundreds of thousands of dollars, or I don't know, to really hire an engineer or team of engineers and hosting. So like, can you talk about how you're bringing that cost down and I guess that friction down to actually bring your first MVP to market? Um, so there are two levers that uh, three, three le two levers that actually make it much cheaper. One is that more people can do it, and in particular, you as a non-technical person can do it, and it's much faster to build. So back to the initial example I've, I was talking about with the MVP of a marketplace, you could get something up and running if you know how to use Bubble well in about a week. Uh, wow. No engineering team would actually do that. Now, telling you how much cheaper that is. Um, it's a bit hard to give estimations. What we hear from our users, because sometimes they send us emails mentioning that, I've heard numbers from 10x to 50x uh, cheaper. So like, wow. it is radically cheaper. I mean, we have companies that basically run on us uh, like startups for, I don't know, two or $3,000 plus the founder, and he does everything. He doesn't have an engineering team. The equivalent within an engineering team might be you know, three engineers at 10K a month, depending where you are, it's like 40K, servers might be 5K, so it's like 45K, so that's, this kind of wow. savings. Yeah, and just the fact that you're saving them time, I think, is huge too. To be able to build the app and put it out there and see what people think about it without, you know, you're allowing right. the mean, speed the, of iteration. Exactly, really the speed of iteration is actually, I, I might almost say this is almost more valuable than uh, the cash savings. I mean, the cash limitation, the fact that we're so cheap makes that there's no barrier to try, but then uh, the speed of iteration is what makes people's uh, business succeed. Um, businesses succeed. And in fact, we do now have like funded startups that use us because, uh, I mean, some companies went to Y Combinator, for instance. Yeah, can you talk a little money? about the, the sort of success stories? Sure, so I'll mention that one and then I'll mention another one. Uh, there is this company, uh, Y Combinator, that did Y Combinator, then there is, uh, based out of San Francisco, there is like three or four million dollars, I think, uh, seed round. So they have access to engineers, you know, they're part of the best networks of the Valley and they've be built their entire back office on Bubble just because they're it's too slow to use engineers. So that validates where people would use us. It's not necessarily the most successful case we have. So the most successful company we had in terms of scale, because this is a pushback I hear all the time with no code tools and bubble in particular. And to be honest, it's coming a lot from engineers where they tell you, that's cool, but you know, you can't build anything real with this. Like that's not gonna scale nicely. And uh, we actually, and this goes back to how we've built this company in the first place, like not raising money for a very long time and really focusing on a few teams that we felt could go far and make sure that they could scale on bubble because it didn't, you know, take some time. Mm -hmm. And so one of these companies that started using us in the summer of 2014 uh, is a fintech player. So what they do is they basically provide loans to homeowners that want to install a solar panel on their roof. So th something fairly niche, but actually, uh, well, firstly, a big deal in terms of an environment imp environmental impact. And uh, pretty complicated because each state would have different tax regulations and stuff like this. And so they've built a product uh, completely web-based where homeowners would apply for a loan, you know, get their credit score checked, approved, receive the money to install the thing. Then installers would have a CRM where they can see all the different homeowners and the different projects that are supposed to be built because they've been funded and report their progress and get paid themselves. And they've built that entirely on Bubble. They've been running on us for five years. They've processed over a billion dollars of loan um, through our, uh, basically, a, a piece of software without code behind, just, you know, bubblers. So wow. that's the kind of thing that Congrats. can work. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's actually like, 
I wish I had more cases like that. This takes time. We're a little bit in some kind of a VC game a little bit, you know, like all the companies on us, you know, many don't necessarily work out because they're not amazing ideas, but then the <laughs> one that succeed are for us, you know, fantastic case studies. Yeah, and you grow with them, sort of. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, talk a little bit about that. You know, I'm sure there's something where the companies go through where they're like, should we replace Bubble with a real engineering team at this point? Or, but you're trying to like really scale all the way with them. So is that the vision you have is like, we're going to be like the foundation of your tech stack forever is kind of the vision. That, that's definitely the vision. And by the way, now we are at a point where you can extend the platform with engineers. So we have this plugin system and if something is missing and there will always be something missing, you know, engineers would actually build them and hand them, uh, hand code them. It's still much better to users than to hire engineers because 95% of the things are not new, you know, like, any customer uh, facing startup out there has a login uh, and a sign up, you know, um, feature. You don't necessarily need engineers to do that. You should be able to use like business people to do that. And the engineer would be building the secret source that requires code. So wow. for instance, you know, Airbnb.com, I would say the secret source is their pricing model. You know, the way they decide, you know, how to charge things. That's something that they're very good at. Hmm. That's the kind of things where you would hire an engineer and they would code that. But everything else, you know, the entire, you know, customer user experience, you know, the flow could be built by product business people that don't necessarily know how to code. Wow. When you explain it that way, it really highlights the inefficiency and in what's been occurring where every single startup, like like it was like AWS, when they came and you didn't have to start your own server from scratch, like yeah. everybody was doing the exact same steps. We're basically doing the same things that AWS has been doing and the impact they had on the world is like tremendous um, with one layer on top of the stack, which is a software layer. Wow. So this is so, so exciting. So tell me a little bit about the vision and about what gets you excited about where this is going. Because like, I think you just threw out a big analogy, which is like you guys are sort of that layer above AWS that sort of unlocks all these people who are able to code and start companies and apps now. So I'm really curious about the vision of, of where this is going. So the vision is really to become the primary platform for software creation makes that, you know, most companies don't have an IT department. Most businesses are technical, but they're not like tech companies in some ways, I would say that the fact that Airbnb today is a tech company is almost a problem, you know, like it's a hospitality business. It's a fantastic mm -hmm. business, but it's hospitality business that is tech enabled. And those businesses shouldn't need engineer, uh, need engineers. And it says they should be using a tool like Bubble with new tools that empower business people to do that themselves. It's very similar to Microsoft Office in many ways, you know, like all the companies now have Excel people. Without Excel, you would need like, you know, data scientists or something, but today you just have business analysts that are able to use those tools. So that's what we aspire to be. I want to be, you know, the platform where all software is built, starting with startups, because startups are a great place because they have no other options. There's no migration issue and you scale with them. But eventually, you know, I want, you know, individuals in high schools building their projects on Bubble, large companies, governments, every, you know, look at healthcare.gov. Healthcare.gov was one of the biggest failures, you know, in <laughs> software like five years ago when Obamacare came out. Well, and it's, it's actually a real problem. The, why was it a failure? Is because governments and large companies that are not tech companies do not attract good engineers. Good engineers want to work for Facebook or startups or Google. Tesla. Or Tesla, right, those kind of companies. Um, and that leads to, you know, big organizations like the US government who have like real software need. I mean, having a good website for health insurance is critical. But right. They cannot necessarily get the best talent to do that. So they're going to outsource, you know, that and that leads to the failure that we sell. So making those product, um, those tools to create things easier is my way to solve that problem because then you expand the pool of people that can be creating software like by a factor of a probably hundred of a thousand. And then, you know, all organizations can, you know, create good things. Um, so yeah, so that's a, we want to be ubiquitous. We don't want 
to make that coders disappear. I mean, coders will still be there, but they will be extending the platform. And it's a much more powerful allocation of resources because today, honestly, it's a little bit sad to see all those engineers working on like fairly similar things. Like Lyft and Uber, you know, those are fantastic businesses, like they're great. But it's pretty much the same thing, you know. The fact that you have engineers and both companies doing the same thing is such a waste for the world. If, if I may, I think the biggest impact we might have as a company, I'm not, I don't know if it's going to be because of businesses built on top of us or it's because, or it's because we're going to free like thousands of very smart engineers to actually work on real problems. And, you know, whether it's going to be for software, you know, environment, I don't know. But that's actually what's truly exciting. Today, the way the tech bubble is, not our bubble, but the tech bubble is set up is there is so much capital for a few problems that are pretty similar and that attract all those engineers that the allocation of resources is really not optimal for the world. Yeah, and those those such few precious engineering resources we have are being wasted on building the same things. That's that's really why I think this business is accelerating hyperchange because yep. we're getting like the productivity of the simulation, if you will, goes up so much more when we have coders not working on these sort of repetitive tasks. Yeah, and, and, and again, I mean, that's what AWS did like it and it has a huge impact i mean that i would argue startups would not exist today without aws wow. i do think there is a lot to do to go further and that's what we're doing and something really interesting about bubble is i'm sure you could have raised a lot of venture funding off the bat but you guys took a very slow road originally and yep. sort of bootstrap for quite some time yeah, so seven, if, seven years yeah and you know as someone who kind of tried to do the as much bootstrapping as possible with my startup i really you know i think that's sort of the right way to go and not but it's sort of counter to the raise big money VC culture. So I'm curious if we could get a little bit of insight into, you know, why did you bootstrap and how did that go? So uh, we bootstrap basically, um, one of the big challenges of no code, as we call it, is people now say it's cool, but people forget one of the biggest challenges you have, which is the skepticism around the idea. Like that I already mentioned, you know, engineers saying, oh, you can't use it at scale. Before that is, oh, you can't even build this. It's impossible. <laughs> and so uh, what happens in the early years of building such a product is most people, when they try Bubble at first, you know, uh, would email. Today it's a little bit better because we have like a little bit more uh, track record behind us. But initially people would be emailing us and ask, hey, can I build this? Can I build that? And the truth is uh, in the early, first you know, three to five years, it was no most of the time. And you have to be honest, if you lie there because of the skepticism, it's gonna backfire on you dramatically. Totally. So you don't want to raise money too soon because as soon as you raise money, you're gonna have to basically try to get as many users as possible, as fast as possible, because at the end of the day, that's what investors care about. Mm -hmm. And you're gonna lose your time saying no. And not only you lose your time, but you also lose an opportunity to say yes if you attract the right people later. The reason why, um, so that's one of the one reason why we didn't raise. The other reason why we didn't raise is because our approach was really to focus on the key core teams that we think we could go far to scale with them and to hone the product to get to a point where people could actually scale on us. Because again, that's the biggest fear that you know if you're on a no-code platform like Bubble, you're not going to be able to scale uh, nicely your business. Mm -hmm. What happened last year, and the reason why we decided to pull the trigger on fundraising this year, is because today, um, back to that thing that I was saying, like you say no all the time. We rarely say no today. Like I would say today we still get many emails, like can I build this? I would say 80 to 90% of the time we'll say, yeah, I mean, maybe there is one workaround to find here, but you can. And now today I'm in a position where I can multiply my user base by 10 without feeling that it's a waste of an opportunity. It was another case five years ago. Fascinating. Yeah, it takes such discipline, I think, to really have that mentality. So I really respect that. Well, I, I th honestly, I think being in New York is a great thing for that because you're not exposed <laughs> to Silicon Valley culture as much as San Francisco. Yeah. Like when all your friends raise venture funding and you don't, you're, you know, it's tough sometimes. 
truth is most of my friends here and I know this is in tech and so you don't have the same pressure and um, I would argue had we been in San Francisco that would have been much harder. Yeah, totally. And so this is such an exciting time for Bubble because now after all of that refinement, you know, you're saying yes to this and you just did a big, a little over six million funding round. Yep. And so what, what do you, I mean, it looks like we're in your new office now, you're hiring people, expanding, what's sort of the roadmap, you know, with that new capital and, and the expansion plans? So uh, two things, first of all, We've been very understaffed, you know, being bootstraps. <laughs> like for yeah. five years, and I think at that time we had about 80,000 users. It was just Josh and I, like just two people. Wow. And I was doing a lot of support, building the product. Like it was pretty busy. So now we're staffing up a little bit just to be at the level where we should be to achieve the vision that I was mentioning. So hiring, especially on the engineering side and, you know, working hard on performance and scalability to make sure we keep scaling nicely with our users is one big angle. The second angle is to start investing on growth. Mm -hmm. So far, most of our growth has been done through the community, like uh, organic, people like word of mouth, or SEO through our forum. We have a forum that's extremely active online and that drives a lot of SEO traffic to us. Uh, but I want to start being more proactive, you know. We should be, you know, pitching at every incubators out there, like co-working space, business schools, there are a lot of, we should have, you know, a way to organize our community a little bit better offline, you know, to have them, you know, gather. Uh, they already do, in fact. We got to the point where our users now, you know, in Paris and San Francisco, organize meetups in our back, and we're not even involved with that. <laughs> that's something we should change. So that's part of the roadmap. So the roadmap is honing the technology to make sure it scales well and invest in growth. Interesting. And now I want to get into the business a little because I think what's fascinating is that not only you're like this layer on top of AWS, but by being that layer on top of, you're sort of a lead gen of. I, th I think you said you offer hosting services. So yeah, I'm sort I mean, of that's like part is, of the vision. Yeah. Yeah. So is that sort of the the back end of really how you scale with customers? Like, are you guys building data centers? Like, I don't see a data center here. Or no, because we have the scale where we don't need to, and AWS does a great job like that. So we ourselves use use AWS a lot. Okay. You, as a Bubble user, if you build something on Bubble, you don't need to know what AWS is. So we're the layer gotcha. in between. And the way we make money is by charging you on a monthly basis. So mm -hmm. more or less, you know, we charge you a premium on what we would pay AWS. Gotcha. And for, for let's say, a hyperchanger who wants to build an app right now, what's sort of the on-ramp, like, lowest tier pricing, and then how does it ramp up? So the, the lowest tier pricing is actually free and zero. Like, uh, Oh, wow. It's, so you it, have no excuse not to start. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, this is... We, because again, because of the skepticism and the fact people use us, you know, in schools, like we have a lot of high school students that use us. So I, don't cool. I don't want friction, you know, so mm -hmm. you can use pretty much any of the product uh, provided, you know, you tolerate the bubble banner at the bottom, you know, like a little bit like a Wix pricing system. So you have a bubble banner at the bottom and you can't use your own domain name. You can do a lot okay, of things for gotcha. free, like pretty much all features are accessible for free. And then the first plan, which is, you know, if you were to build the hyperchange uh, web app on bubble, you would want your own domain. So that's $16 a month. Gotcha. And then that scales with traffic. Uh, our highest pay paying customer right now is about 8,000. Wow, really cool. And so one of the ways in the future that I see this evolving or sort of like, I was trying to think about like, what does Bubble look like in the future? I hate to use the buzzword of AI, but sort of like a lot of tricks to make it easier to bring apps to market with like automating like, okay, you want a marketplace. Like maybe I shouldn't even have to drag and drop and build the marketplace. It's like one button even easier. So I'm curious of how you could talk about how to leverage, maybe it's not AI or machine learning, but sort of like these like digitizing, making it even easier and keep so, pushing. So yeah, I'm always very careful with AI. Like honestly, a lot of companies use AI without really, you know, being serious about what it means. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not going to use AI where I think there is a lot of opportunities for us. And actually that, that would be like machine learning type of stuff is okay. we have about 240,000 apps running on Bubble right now. 
the more we go, the more we can see patterns of what people are building, the more we can see you know, what is wrong, what is right and in terms of performance. For instance, some designs might not be optimal, some designs are more optimal. And us leveraging all this data can help us build a better interface. That's pretty interesting. Honestly, I don't think we're going to move into a world where we talk to a computer. I mean, maybe we will, but in 50 years, where you talk to a computer and you tell the computer, build a marketplace and the computers, uh, computer will build a marketplace for you. <laughs> I mean, I in fact, the problem is not even technical. The problem is more that most people are not able to express very clearly what they want. And that's the reason why outsourcing is so painful, by the way. Yeah. Outsourcing is not painful because outsourcing companies are bad. It's uh, painful because it's hard to have like a clear agreement of what we're trying to build. And so the end product is never the one you need. So for Bubble, I don't think we'll move there anytime soon. I do think we have a lot of opportunities to, you know, offer better templates, you know, maybe have like kind of like guided building steps. You know, you want to build a shopping cart and we can have an arrow showing you. And that's the kind of things we can do with the data we're gathering. Really cool. So I wonder if like in 10 or... And by, and by the way, just to be clear, the, the data I'm talking about is, you know, apps built on Bubble, like what they're building, not our users' data. It's something very important for us that we don't actually own and look at our users' data. Gotcha. We like yeah. AWS from that but standpoint. I, yeah, I really like that sort of idea of like that. Then the network effects start to come into play of like your user community. And you did mention the forum briefly, and I feel like that is sort of one of uh, kind of like a growth driver and a big part of Bubble's success has been this sort of like really active community group and forum. Yeah, because there is a learning curve, um, and we embrace that. I mean, the first thing you're going to have to do if you sign up to Bubble is to take the lessons, and I very strongly recommend people to take those lessons at least once, mm -hmm. because there is a learning curve. You know, Bubble is very open-ended, but open-ended comes uh, with a cost, and the cost is that you have to learn it. They're a little bit like Excel. I mean, if you don't learn how to use Excel, you can't do anything, you know? <laughs> uh, and so because there is a learning curve and because it's open-ended, people like talking about, you know, what do you think is the best approach for that problem? Hey, I'm stuck here. How do I do this? And that's where the community helps each other. Yeah, really cool. So I wonder if in a couple of Which in terms of, by the way, a way to scale is fantastic because honestly what's happening is that most of the support happens on the, by the, via the community for free. Like, uh, so that helps us scale. Today we have three customer success people and, you know, 280,000 users. And, uh, yeah, that's incredible. 7,000 apps on a paid plan and only three people actually support them. The reason being uh, wow. users help each other. Yeah, that's a really awesome, like, it streamlines the entire operating structure in the company yep. in many ways. And um, But uh, looking ahead to the future, I was kind of wondering, like, I thought this is a funny exercise. Like, when I think about the big, huge tech platforms IPO IPOing now, like, Snapchat, all of these consumer apps run on AWS and that's what like their backbone of the internet is. So I wonder like in 10 or 20 years when the next generation of apps and platforms is coming to the market, like are, is the majority of them going to be built on bubble as well? well is that like I the mean, end that's vision? definitely what I'm working for, what I'm working for. Amazing. That's definitely the goal. So if there's one thing that you kind of like could do differently or you've learned either from a product or entrepreneur perspective throughout this, this whole process, is there anything you would tell yourself? You know, if you could go back in, in the early days of Bubble to say, hey, like, you know, do this differently. Or So if you were to do it again, I might have raised money a little bit earlier, maybe a year, you know, half earlier. I think we were a little bit too conservative there. I don't think it has a huge impact in the very long run of the company, to be honest. Like, uh, but we could have saved a little bit of time doing this. Um, we obviously made a few wrong technical decisions that you need to fix, but it's not even a mistake. You know, it's part of the growing process, you know, you make mistakes, you fix them, you refactor the code base. Um, I think at the same time, there is one thing that I think we really did right, which is try to stay under the radar long enough to have a product that, again, leads you to say yes most of the time when people ask you, hey, can I build this? 
And I think that's something we did right. So back to the not raising money earlier, we could have raised money 18 months prior to the date we actually ended doing it. Uh, but I'm glad we didn't do it two, uh, two years or three years earlier. Wow. And um, are you allowed to tell us the size of your business today? The, like in terms of revenue run rate, you mentioned about 7,000 cu paying customers, something like uh, that? Paying apps, yeah. yeah um, we're about uh, close to $2 million AR right now. Really cool. Yeah, honestly, I'm having like a little bit of FOMO that I didn't get to invest in the, in the funding round because I think it's such a like, I don't know what the valuation was, 100 million, 200 million, probably, that's probably higher than what it was. Uh, that's what I would have paid. But, but my point is- I won't like, comment on that. Yeah, <laughs> I figured. But I just feel like there's, what you're building to me is so, so fascinating because it's sort of like, like you said, this, this concept of the next layer on top of AWS. And like, when I think about the amount of people and time it unlocks in terms of like the amount of apps, the amount of ide more ideas that can hit the marketplace, it's like 10X. And we're talking about like- Probably, probably more than that. Even more than that. And, and, and even more important, I mean, we have a social purpose. I mean, idealism is something important for us. If we succeed, we'll make sure that, you know, businesses that can solve problems outside of like major financial centers that have access to capital can exist. That's really the problem. And I'm not only talking about, you know, developing countries like Africa, you know, even in the middle of the U.S. Turned out that a lot of our users are actually in, you know, Georgia, Ohio, those kind of states, because you don't have access to capital there as much as you do in Boston, New York, San Francisco, LA. And so it's hard wow. to find engineers. And um, that's where I think it's really exciting. It's not just a number, it's also having a better, I think I mentioned that earlier, a better allocation of resources to make sure that people can, at the local level, solve their own problems through technology. Yeah. And I mean, I in general, I'm not a fan of centralized power. I think tech companies today, and not just tech companies, but like, a few thousand, you know, engineers in San Francisco have too much power in their hand. I mean, they basically decide, you know, how people communicate, work, date, even manage their health. And mm -hmm. I think this is something that should be much more decentralized. Yeah. And you're, you just made me think of something when you said that you're really democratizing entrepreneurship and really pushing that, which is why I feel like it's like you're such a small startup in some ways in this tiny New York office. But in many ways, I'm like, this is a huge driver of my whole theory of hyper change of like this you think the digitization of everything has been moving rapidly now. We think software eating the world's been happening now, but it's almost like this is actually the caveman days. Yeah, I think we're, to when, we're like, only you know, at the we're, beginning of this. Like, like when you actually were saying that, like you used to have to type the code in the computer and now we click. Right. It just seems like that's such a, like that wasn't even the computer era when we were actually at Well, computer. that's so, what enables the computer era. Exactly. Basically. Yeah, or so, I don't know. I, it, it's, I, I'm really, I, I thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast and sort of, you know, tell the, the hyper changers, the vision and mission, because I think it's, it's really, really cool. And I wish you guys the best of luck. I feel a little guilty because we have hyper charts, but you know, Mo's coding that. So, you know, but I wish one day, like I, I hope to launch something on bubble myself. Cause I think yeah, it's I such so. a cool idea. I hope so. Uh, and thank you very much for having me. That was really fun. And if you have any website or, or social media handles for the hyper changers to follow you or any shout outs, you can go sure. for Sure. I mean, so if usually if people Google bubble, like B-U-B-B-L-E, we're the first thing, but otherwise it's bubble.is. Uh, and on Twitter, bubble underscore group is where to find us. Um, the best way to reach us is our contact at bubble.is and that will get to us. Awesome. Well, good luck with everything. So excited to, to, to watch what you're building and, and where it goes from here. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thanks. Bye -bye. Peace.